Well, today I want to talk about the house of God again. We've been talking about, you know, Matthew. We turned there a couple of weeks ago, Matthew 21, 13, where Jesus, he comes into the house of God and they're selling and they're, they've made it a house of merchandise. And, you know, Peter said, don't let them make merchandise out of you. The propensity to want to make the kingdom, the people of the kingdom, a, a merchandise or make money off the kingdom somehow is truly a, a wicked thing that is prevalent uh, in the in even in churches today and in parachurch and all kinds of different scenarios. And he says, but my house is to be a house of prayer. Today I want to just take a quick moment, and, and we're going we're gonna to jump in after we pray. Uh, we're going to pray over the board, and, and I really don't want to get away from that our services need to not just be a teaching center or a preaching center. We don't uh, coming to church, you know, David said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And the house of the Lord is a place where there's preaching and teaching. But the house of the Lord needs to be a place of prayer. So I'm going to ask Kurt to pull the board out. And he's going to lead us in prayer this morning. And uh, so if he'll just go over to the board and pull it out. And then we're going to just have everybody, uh, anyone who has not, and if, you're very, if it's your very first time today, I just want to say this. We have decided to take at least three people that we know that don't know the Lord, that are out of church, maybe not saved, maybe backslidden, and maybe a Christian who hasn't hooked into a church. And, you know, God sets every member into the body as it pleases him. God does have a place for everyone. And it's, it's us, it's an issue of us finding out where, where that is and asking him. And so we've written down three people. And is there anyone here today who has not written down uh, at least three people to pray for today? Because we're going to ask you all to walk down to the front. Let's all get up and walk down to the front right now. And we're going to pray over these names, and we're going to just take a few moments before I preach. And uh, I'm going to let Kurt lead us this morning as, as he prays, and just pray over the names on this board. And then next week, I'm going to have J.D. do it. J.D. doesn't know that yet, but uh, where's J.D.? <laughs> right there. And, and beware, you may be next. No, I'm just teasing. But we're going to learn how to pray, and we're going to learn how to pray for lost people. That is not like a lot of people don't know how to pray for lost people. And a lot of praying for lost people is binding the forces of darkness over their life. And so we're going to do that. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and let Kurt pray. Why don't you just lead us in prayer and, you know, keep it under three minutes, you know. I'm just, <laughs> just teasing. Well, let's pray. All believing that, that we have the mind of Christ. Well, no, nobody come up uh, asking uh, Jesus to come into their hearts, so we believe everybody's saved in this place. You know, we are people of faith. We're the just. The just shall live by faith. We believe that we receive those things which we pray for. We stand in the gap, and that's what we're doing today. Amen. There's many people that aren't on this board that should be. Many people are your neighbors, many people that you work with, many of your, your relatives, brothers, sisters, children, Amen. even your folks. They, they should be on there. But uh, we, we're believing specifically for these people right here in Oskaloosa, surrounding area. Uh, we want to stand in the gap. Amen. Jesus is in heaven interceding for these people. Jesus was in heaven interceding for you. And you asked him in to your heart. Amen. Amen. We're going to do that. We're going to stand in the gap for these people. So get an agreement here. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. We, we stand here in agreement with you. We believe, Jesus, that you are interceding for these people. And we are here on the earth. We lift them up. Father, you said if we stand in the gap for them. We believe that uh, even though we're, we're, we're lifting these people up, we're standing in the gap. We're believing that they have received your forgiveness, yes. that their eyes have been opened yes. to hear your loving truth, that their sins no longer will hold them in bondage, yes. that their sins are forgiven, that they are loved by you. Yes. Father, these are the truths. And, Lord, we just believe that the devil has blinded them. And, Lord, by standing in the gap, we command the devil to loose them in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just thank you that their lives will be changed, that they will see the truth and receive the truth in the name of Jesus. And by standing in the gap, Lord, we believe uh, that they still have to make that choice themselves. But by standing in the gap, we believe that we have prepared 
put the hedge of protection around them, that they will know the truth, and they will come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, believing that he raised from the dead, believing that he has, has died for their sins. And Father, I thank you that they will believe in their heart and they will confess with their mouths that Jesus is Lord. We thank you for that, Father. We thank you once again for all the believers. We, we, we thank you for our co-workers. We thank you for our neighbors. We thank you for our relatives. Father, the time is short. And we know that this, this is, a, as Pastor says, we count the cost. Lord, we are not ashamed of the good news, the gospel. But it is the power, the power by the Holy Spirit working in us to share that good news. And Lord, I thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit that is in operation in our lives. That we, we desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we come in contact with these people, uh, Lord, by your, by your Spirit, you'll give us wisdom and knowledge, faith. And Lord, we speak out that. And Lord, I thank you for the, the shield of faith. Yes. Hallelujah. We have favor. Favor with the people that we come in contact with. In the name of Jesus, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you very much. You guys can be seated. Thanks for praying. Amen. I appreciate that. Amen. It's good to have a consciousness of people that you're believing for. If you're not seeking anything in particular, that's exactly what you'll get. Nothing in particular. If you don't have people specifically that you're believing for, it's not just going to happen. Uh, God, God is a very intentional God, and he gives us very uh, concrete and definite uh, instructions on what we need to do concerning uh, these things. So, Amen. So we talked about last week that the house of the Lord is a house of prayer. Today we're going to talk about the house of the Lord being a house of store. You know, I, I, I like this because it reminds me of my upbringing. Let's bow our head. We'll pray. Father, we just thank you. Lord, give us clarity of mind, articulation of speech, boldness of spirit today. Father, to speak as your oracle. Father, as one who does not speak of his own but speaks your word. And Father, we pray today that you give each one here ears to hear, hearts to receive, and a will to be doers of your word. Father, may we be changed and transformed by it, renewed and conform to your image, and we'll give you all the praise, we'll give you all the glory, we ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Well, you know, when we go to Malachi, you know, the third chapter, it says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, herewith saith the Lord's host, that I might pour out a blessing, that there'll be not be enough room to receive it. You know, as I look at this scripture, I really see that the Lord's house, and let me, let me reiterate that, Bring ye all ties into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Everybody say storehouse. storehouse. My house. See, he uses that interchangeably in that verse of scriptures, that the storehouse and the Lord's house are the same thing. And so, therefore, the Lord's house is a storehouse. And we talked about the Lord's house being a house of prayer, but we want, I want to communicate to you today how that the Lord's house is a place of store or storage, or storing up certain things. And it should be a place of store. And as you go on, you, you can read that uh, it, it, it says this, but you shall uh, be blessed. You know, it talks about uh, that he'll open up the windows of heaven, there'll not be enough room to receive it. And then it goes on, it says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And of course, that was an agrarian society, that was locusts. But we know that the devil is called a devourer. It says, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil goeth about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So we know that spiritually speaking that this applies not only in the natural realm but spiritual realm as do all scripture. And it says that here that uh, he will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. See, the devil would love to destroy the fruits of our ground. And neither shall your vine cast her fruit in the time of the fields. And, you know, the devil would like for our... Uh, our harvest to be cast and, and fall to the ground early. Before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord. He, he likens us unto land and, and, and ground, you know, just like the parable uh, of uh, the four, four soil types. And really it's the parable of the sower people call it, but it's really a, a parable of four 
soil types and how, recept how much receptivity that soil has to the seed. But today, as we talk about, you know, the storehouse, I like that because I can relate to that because the storehouse is literally as like a barn. You say, really, Pastor Bill, I, uh, you know, and, and here's the thing, and it's a place, it's a barn type of thing that's supposed to be a blessing to us. And to the degree that we bless it, it will begin to bless us. Turn with me, and we'll go to Deuteronomy 28, and, and I will clarify that, because look what it says here. And I, and I like this verse of Scripture. It's really a neat Scripture. It's 28 and 1 and 2. Of course, we all know Deuteronomy 28. It's the blessings of the law. And it shall come to pass that thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all the commandments which I have commanded thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And bringing in the tenth is part of that. And look what it says in verse 8. And the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in that which thou settest thine hand to, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Storehouses. And I look in the margin of my Bible, and storehouses is referenced, or barns. He will bless you in your barns. And then, in that same reference, that same key in the margin of my Bible, takes me to Proverbs 3.10. Well, we all know 3.10 pretty well around here. And so, he says, he will bless us in our storehouses or our barns. And look, how does he do that? Well, we go to Proverbs 3.10 and find out. And we go to verse 9, the verse right before it says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thine increase. Well, we know the first fruit is always a reference to the tithe. And so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. In other words, bring the tithe. You could say it like this, honor the Lord with your tithe, that your storehouse or your barn shall be filled with plenty, and the presses shall burst out with new wine. So it's, this is what he's saying. If we will bring in the tithe, it will overflow, and the overflow will go to us, because he said, if we bring the tithe, there'll be an overflow, and there'll not be enough room to receive it. God wants us to recognize that that place where it says that he'll pour out a blessing, there'll not be enough room to receive it in Malachi 3.10, which is a reference to the tithe. And then you go over to Proverbs uh, 3, 9 and 10, which is a reference to the tithes, the first fruit. And he says, and your barns will be filled to full and overflowing, and that your vats will overflow with new wine. There's something about when we come and bring the tithe, God will make an overflow begin to happen in our life. And it's as simple as this. If we will take care of God's house, he'll begin to take care of our house. It's just a simple reciprocity of covenant. And as I begin to, as I, as I look at that, I see that the barn is a very interesting analogy that God would use that. You know, I was raised on a farm, and, you know, when it was time to feed the cattle, we'd go to the barn, and, you know, I don't care if it's sheep. You know, a lot of people raise sheep. Some people raise hogs. Some people raise cattle. We raised cattle, and, and we raised Arabian horses, and, and, we, and we did a, a lot of fun things with all that. We showed cattle. We showed horses and, and did these things. And, you know, whenever I would go out and feed, and it didn't make any difference which of the livestock, the horses or the cattle, and I would make noise in the barn. They would come running in from the lot and come running to the barn. And I can remember, you know, uh, you know I can think of the haymow where all, we, we would work all summer long. And we would, you know, cut the hay and mow it, bale it, pick it up, bring it into the barn. And how many of you know that's a lot of hard work? That's hot, miserable work, especially if you're up in that barn. But we would put it away until there was an overabundance of hay in that barn. Of course, we'd fill our silos and our grain bins and there, until there was an overabundance of everything. And then, you know, we would have uh, all this livestock. And, and, and you know, how many of you know we are the sheep and the Lord is the, uh, the ultimate shepherd? And, and the barn is the place where you feed the sheep. You know, I also know that the barn is for other things, too. I remember our barns were the shelter in the wintertime. Our barn would be to protect anything 
like if there was a stray dog or, or something with rabies. You know, out on the farm, you might encounter all kinds of things. And so it was also a sheltered place of protection. God calls his house. He likens it to a barn. Now, I don't mean to be disrespectful to the house of God like it's a barn, but, but yet there are parallels. And the barn is a shelter and it protects. A barn is when we needed some vet care if we had a, a sick you know, calf or, or, or a horse that needed some shots. Uh, we put him in the barn and, and then that's where we took care. And so there was healing in the barn. There was protection in the barn. There was feed and sustenance in the barn. And we would bring our baby, you know, if we were going to have a horse that was going to have a baby, a colt, uh, birthing was done in the barn. And, you know, dairy, you know, a lot of people have dairy cattle. Uh, they brought their supply in the place of the barn. The barn was the place where a supply was brought. The, the dairy cattle brought their supply. You milk the cows inside the barn. That's where their supply was brought. That's where their protection was. That's where they're getting fed. That's where they're getting protected. That's where they're getting vet care and healing. That's where they're getting a place, safe place to birth and have, just like we try to birth believers in the barn of God and try to get people born again. Can I get an amen? See, the storehouse is really a place where a lot of things would take place when you go, as it does in my Bible, and likens it to a barn. Again, we're not trying to be disrespectful and reducing, but you know, God does call us sheep. And it's good to understand that uh, when we begin to fill, that there, there begins to be a blessing. And I want to say this we bring all the uh, tithe into the storehouse that there may, may be meat. That's another point I want to bring out that there may be meat in my house, saith the Lord. And I believe this, that there's two different things. Meat for the minister to produce the word of God on a more consistent level. You know, I've seen a lot of churches where the pastors uh, were part-time or there were lay pastors or they were bivocational pastors. And, and, I can, and I can truly say that's really not God's best. It's really not God's design. Uh, but what God's design is, is that there may be meat in my house... And when you look at the Old Testament, the house of God had a storage place. And, of course, they brought in all the tithes. And, and the tithes in an agrarian society would be, you know, animals. It would be fruit and vegetables. It would be food. It would be things that were necessary. And I'm sure there was silver and gold in some cases because they said if you didn't have it, you redeemed and you used silver and gold. One place in Leviticus it talks about that. But they brought in a lot of different things. And then there was a place where there was a store. And that was what the Levites lived off of. And the Levites were called to be focused. You see, here's the thing, that there may be meat in mine house. And when there's meat for the minister of God, and I'm taken care of very well. We have a great salary. We're blessed. But there's some principles that you need to know how important it is that there be a tithe. Because that way, when the pastor can have a focus and doesn't have to have another job where he's on full time and he has a salary and he's there and he's doing the work of God, there's something that can begin to take place and that's an increase of the word inside of him. Now, I don't want a pastor in my life. You know, when, when I look for leaders over my life, I'm really particular. I don't want some half-baked, half-put-together person that doesn't know what they're talking about teaching me. I want someone who has really studied in depth. I want someone who my pastors, the people that are over me in my life, are very knowledgeable of the word. They're very uh, mature. They're very well-seasoned. They aren't doing this thing part-time. This is, you know, they aren't a hobby pastor. They aren't a lay person trying to go in and do a job they're really not anointed to do. It, it's none of those things. I want the real deal, full-time, knows what they're doing. Professional. Can I get an amen? How many of you want your accountant to be that way? How many want your banker to be that way? How many want your doctor to be that way? How many want your attorney to be that way? Oh, but the pastor, you know, yeah, he, he's just this part-time guy. We don't pay him. He'll, he'll come and recite Psalms 23 to us, and we'll go home. Yeah. See, I can't stand that. How many of you know that's not excellence? But we need to take very seriously the operation of God. We need to take very seriously the local church and the house of God. I'm going to turn back over there. Uh, quickly to Malachi, and I'm going to look at some things. And, and it says that there may be meat in my house. 
And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord host, if I'll not open the windows of heaven and part a blessing, there'll not be enough room to receive it. See, all blessings begin with the word of God. And the minister of God needs to be a focused person. Turn with me to, and, and this is really important, Numbers 18. Everybody turn to Numbers 18. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses there. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But just verses 20 through 24, it says this. And the Lord spake unto the, to Aaron, Thou shalt give no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part. And this is, you know, he's speaking to Aaron. Of course, Aaron is, he's one of the Levites. And thou shalt not have any part among them. I am thy part and thine inheritance among the children of Israel. And behold, I have given the children of Israel, the children of the Levites, all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance, for their service, for they serve even the service of their tabernacle of the congregation. Neither must the children of Israel henceforth come nigh to the tabernacle of the congregation, lest they bear the sin, sin and die. And the Levites shall do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. Words, nobody else can do this. You've got to be anointed. You've got to be a Levite. And they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and among the children of Israel that they have no inheritance. In other words, nobody can do this but Levites. Only Levites can go into the Holy of Holies and not drop dead. And the Levites aren't supposed to have any other income because we want them to be solely focused on this. Verse 24, but the tithes of the children of Israel which they offer as a heave offering unto the Lord, I have given to the Levites to inherit. Therefore I have said unto them, among the children of Israel, uh, they shall have no other inheritance. Well, Paul simplifies that greatly when you come over in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 9, 7-14. Now, we're still talking about the storehouse. Now, just follow with me and bear with. Because Paul talks about how that the man of God or the minister or the Levite or whatever you, you want to call it in today's context, he talks about this. It says, Who goeth to warfare at any time at his own charge? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth the flock and eateth not of the milk? And he talks about how to not muzzle the ox and all these things. And he comes down and he culminates in this verse, in verses 13 and 14. It says, do you not know that they which minister about the holy things live of the holy temple, and they which wait for the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live by it. And so those who are in ministry are supposed to live by the gospel. That, That needs to be their sustenance. Why is that? Well, let's go to Acts, the sixth chapter. And there is a reason for that in the scriptures, and it's very clear. When we go over to Acts, the sixth chapter, we have the church is growing wildly. There's incredible increase. There's all kinds of Jewish uh, believers. And then there's been added to, you know, after the day of Pentecost, a lot of Grecian, a lot of, you know, heathen folks, Hellenistic folks, people that are, you know, Greek. They have the Roman culture. They're not Christians. And they are these widows. And they're saying, you know, you need to bring us food. And and there's this kind of controversy, and all the disciples are out there trying to take care of the Grecian widows, and they come to the apostles and say, hey, we've got a problem. We need somebody to feed these widows. What, what are you apostles doing? And let me just pick up the text, and it's Acts, the sixth chapter. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Everybody say it with me. The preacher should not leave the word of God and serve tables and do other things. In other words, why is that? Because he thinks he's so important? No, not that at all. It's because his focus on the word affects everybody in the congregation. You know, I would say if you've got a bunch of hungry men and you've only got one cook in there getting the dinner ready for 30 men, you better not go disturb that cook. Because when they come in at noontime, they're going to want a good meal. See, and the same is true with the pastor. You want that pastor uh, to cook up a good sermon every Sunday. You want him to be able to be focused. I don't want that lady that's cooking that meal for those 30 men to get distracted and she accidentally throws in the salt instead of the sugar. Or she forgot where she was at in her recipe. 
or she got so distracted out behind the house doing something for somebody that all the meal burnt for all the guys coming in for lunch. See, you want her almost kept focused and undistracted by everything. The same is true. Well, is that, is that just because the preacher wants to have his way and he just wants to have uninterrupted study because that's, he just doesn't want to be bothered with anything and he's just kind of spoiled and he's just real, you know, he doesn't have anything better. No, that, that's not it because look what it says. It says this, and it says that in verse uh, the 12 called the multitude of disciples unto them and said unto them, it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, and of wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to the prayer and to the ministry of the word. He said, why are we talking about this, Pastor Bill? Well, it says, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, saith the Lord. Amen. See, what he was saying is, you bring all the different, you know, the cattle, the sheep, the lambs, and the vegetables, and all this stuff, and you put it in the storehouse, that the Levites can do their job, because they are called to do this. And what does that do for you? You say, well, that's great. I, I you know, I do that, Pastor Bill. And, and so, what is, what is the benefit? What is the overflow? The overflow is the word that gets inside the pastor can then be preached, and that same word of God can start getting inside of you. Amen. Look what we see here. And it says that they were to not leave the word of God, but like it says, we'll give ourselves continually. Everybody say continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying, please the multitude. And, of course, they chose out those seven men, verse 5, whom they set over the apostles, <clears throat> excuse me, set before the apostles. And when they had laid, prayed for them, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and a multitude of disciples, and the number of the disciples multiplied. Ever say the word of God increased? See, when I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and you're all doing what you're supposed to do, the word of God will increase. When, when, when I'm preaching, and you're hearing, and you're doing. When I preach about soul winning, and you're hearing about soul winning, and it's getting down in your heart, and then you begin to act on the word of God, and you start doing soul winning then there's going to be more people born again and brought into the kingdom. When I teach on prosperity and you hear the revelation and you get and connect the dots about prosperity and then you go out and you start applying these principles and you start experiencing prosperity, how many of you know the kingdom is going to be increased? When you hear me and I, and I study about healing and then I preach about healing and then you hear about healing and then you start applying it to your life about healing and you start getting healed, and you start being a witness, and you start being a testimony, and you start having faith that you can pray for other people and start believing for healing, then things begin to change. You know, Jesus never once prayed when it came to healing, if it be thy will. He always prayed in the affirmative. If there's any two, you know, if you gather together, greetings, touching anything on earth, it'll be done of our Father who's in heaven. It says they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. And, you know, he only prayed, if it be thy will, in his consecratory prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, please let it pass. And not my will be done, but thy will be done. That's the only time that Jesus prayed, if it be thy will. That, that has never been applied in the scriptures to healing. How I many you know God wants us to be healed? He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. David says this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all mine iniquities and who heals all my diseases and redeems my life from destruction, crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies, uh, renews my youth as the eagle, satisfies my mouth with good things to eat, and he goes on and on. And I'll tell you what, right along with the forgiveness of all of our iniquities is the healing of all of our diseases, the Bible says. That's God's will for us. Let me say this. The barn is a place where seed is brought in. You know, we had a barn where we kept all of our seed corn. Then we had granaries, or they're, they're types of barns. They're a storage for grain, where we kept all of our feeding grain. You know, you had grain, we called it seed corn, that, that's what we used to plant. And then we had corn, and that, that is what we used to feed the livestock. How many of you in the storehouse, there should be so seed being sown but there also should be seed being reaped. Amen. See, in the storehouse is the place where you can come and you can bring your time, your talent, and your treasure 
And it's the only place that I know that God says that he'll bring an increase and he'll cause it to become alive and to become overflowing because the word of God is creative and it changes you on the inside and it makes you able to be more prosperous. It makes you able to walk in the divine healing plan of God for your life. It makes you able to be able to carry out his plans. It makes you able to go out and win souls and bring people to Christ because that is the place where he wants us to come in and, and, and do these different things. So the word of God increased. I'm going to finish up there in Acts 6, the things I want to say. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied. Everybody say multiplied. When? When the preachers said, you go feed the Grecian widows. You go take care of them, guys. We're going to get a delegation of seven. We're going to choose them out. And we're going to give ourselves to the word of God continually. We're going to give ourselves to praying continually. And then suddenly we see this transformation where it says the word of God increased. You know, word of God increasing doesn't mean they bought a thousand Bibles and put them in a warehouse. The word of God increasing is the word of God inside of me increases. And when I preach, the word of God of you begins to increase. And the word of God in you begins to come out your mouth and go into the people around you, and the word of God begins to increase. And it says the number of the disciples multiplied because it starts with a preacher, and it starts in a storehouse, and it starts in a place where the storehouse is brought in, and the preacher can be in, in, in a focused position, and the preacher can fill with the word of God and give other people the word of God, and then they can go out and give their neighbors, their friends, their fellow workers, their social circle whoever it might be, the word of God concerning healing, concerning being born again, concerning prosperity, concerning their rebellious child, concerning their relationships and their marriage, and, and whatever thing that they have need of, just the word of... I don't know about you, but you know, when I moved to Tulsa, I could not believe the amount of the word of God in that city. You know, in Tulsa, Oklahoma is the headquarters for Oral Roberts University. I graduated from there. In Broken Arrow, which is just a suburb of Tulsa, is the place where Rama Bible Training Center is. And Tulsa is filled with ministries. And those two institutions, ORU and Rama Bible Training Center, put out thousands of ministry students. And that town is filled, I think it has like six or 700 churches. And it's not much bigger than Des Moines. And even the heathens say, praise the Lord. I mean, it's better than saying something else with the Lord's name, Amen. And the amount, and and let me tell you, it is a real living example of an exponential increase of the word of God in preachers, in people's hearts, in churches, and in the culture at large. Being changed by preachers and churches and people being witnesses in the community to the point that I have never seen anything like it. You know, just being on the ORU campus, you know, I'd gone to UNI, I'd been to, you know, Northeast Missouri State, and, and I've got three college degrees and all these things, and I've learned all... And, but, but when I went on the ORU campus, I was like, gosh, they're actually friendly. They're a bunch of kids, you know, a bunch of kids walking around like they've got a hangover with a frown on their face, and like they just broke up with their fornicating girlfriend or boyfriend, and they're all trashed out, you know. On this campus, they're like, full of life, full of joy, full of smile, full of hi, how are you? And I was like, I, I didn't know how to react. I'm like, I'm not used to this. I've been on secular college campuses, and they're a bunch of dirt heads. They're walking around like, the world's going to end or something. And I'm like, these people are happy. And I can remember asking, Lord, why, why are people so happy in Tulsa? Even the, even, even the lost people are more positive than the Christians up in Iowa. And I thought, how, can, how does this happen? And the Lord said, the word of God is multiplied. You look on the billboards, there's scriptures. You turn on your radio, you hear them talking about scriptures. You have all kinds of radio stations, they're preaching. Turn on all these channels on television, they're preaching. You look on every corner in the city, there's a church, they must be preaching. The word of God is exploding. The word of God is everywhere I turn in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And people get saved. And it changes the culture. And people's lives are more drawn in to the culture. But then there's other cultures where this is. It's dark. 
all the churches are empty. There's old churches with about two or three you know, senior citizens in there, and that's all there is. The young people have all left. Nobody's happy in our town. People don't smile. People don't talk the word. And the heathens don't say, praise the Lord. They use the Lord's name in another way. And it's very different. And you'll find out that maybe the pastor's over five churches. Or the pastor's just this part-time guy and he, he's bivocational. And the word of God really isn't esteemed very high. And the preacher is like, guy, yeah, you, you know, you don't, you don't pay guys like that, you know. You don't pay them very much anyway. And you don't take, and you don't tithe. I mean, gosh, I'm a tipper, not a tither. If I like it on Sunday morning, I might leave a tip. You know, just real kind of dirt head mentality. Kind of like, oh, people are sick. The biggest thing in town is the nursing home and the hospital. There's not much going on. People aren't getting saved. Churches are all dying. Let me tell you something. It gets back to this principle to bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Release the ministers to be full-time preachers. And then there's a blessing that comes back on you because the word of God inside you begins to grow. You know, Mom and Dad, you've really changed. You know, our family, we all got born again. All nine of us got born again, filled with the Holy Spirit in about six to nine months. It just went, dropped like dominoes. Everybody got saved. Happened real quick. Happened real easy. Because we immediately knew it was the Word of God. We immediately got into a Bible-preaching church. We immediately began to realize that our lives needed to be changed. And we just really thought we had it all together. And, you know, all pretty smart, pretty successful, pretty excellent, pretty good at sports, all these things. We, we thought we were pretty good, but we weren't happy. And the Lord just changed everything. And we all got saved because we went to a place where the Word of God... You know, if the Word of God is not strong in a community, it's because it's not strong in the churches. And if it's not strong in the churches, it's because it's not strong in the people. And if it's not strong in the people, because it's not strong in the preachers. And if it's not strong in the preachers, it's because they're probably ha- distracted, having to do other things. But let me tell you something. When there's meat in the house, it brings an anointing. And it, and it, and it, brings, it doesn't just bless the preacher, because once you do that, you know, the preacher can be focused. You know, Elijah, he went and slaughtered all of his cattle. You know, when Elijah was called to ministry, he slaughtered his 12 yoke of oxen, which would probably be like... You know, having a dozen, you know, modern-day full-size John Deere combines. He was a big deal. That was a big operation. He went and slaughtered his big 12 yokes of oxen. He fed them to the people and made them a sacrifice to God. He says, I'm giving up all, and I'm going to follow Mr. Elijah 100% full-time. He jumped in with both feet. And he did twice as many miracles as the great prophet. But the people are the ones that got blessed. Twice as many miracles isn't something of a merit badge for him. It's a sign that the people got blessed. Can I get an amen? See, I believe this, that God wants us to see the result when God does that. See, Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. When the word of God increases, you see, it's talking about the meat or the feed. It's just like that barn. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We live on this just like we live on natural sustenance of eating. They provided the food for the preacher physically, and the preacher provided the spiritual food for the people spiritually. Paul said, if I give unto you these spiritual things, is it anything I reap your carnal things? When you take care of the storehouse, this is what happens. There starts to be a blessing that comes back on you because of the increase of the word. And I believe this, that that house suddenly begins to produce things. And and for instance, the results is, Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. How many of you want spirit and life in your life? 
How many of you want the overflow of the Holy Spirit in your life? How many of you just want life? But you know, life means zoe. The, the word life is zoe in the Greek. It means life as God has life. No sickness, no shortage, no, no confusion, no, you know, divorce, no problems, no relational issues, no, none of this stuff. It's life like God has life. That's what zoe means. Life that is no, you know, death is not an event, it's a force. It ends with an event, but death is a force. It's not just an event. And life, zoe life, means life with complete absence of any death or its effects. There's no death force in zoe. It's just pure, unadulterated, 100% pure life. The way it was meant to be before the fall. Can I get an amen? Y'all, y'all get that. See, and God wants us to walk in life. You know, it says, it says this, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting zoe. That's what the word is in the Greek, and that's what it means. Life, it's eternal life. It's life eternal. That's not just talking about duration, but that's talking about quality. It's, it's eternal in its quality, not just its duration. That's what that word means. And so we have a, a, a change in the quality of life when we get saved. And it's for now. It's not for later. It can start on the inside of us. The kingdom of God is inside you. And Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. So, you know, when every time you sit under a preacher, and when the storehouse is full and the preacher is free to preach and spend time getting his sermons ready, and he's free to begin to really pour out a blessing, and pouring out a blessing, there'll not be enough room to receive it. It's really not a blessing like we're going to hand out money to you. It's not a money like we're going to hand out, you know, uh, these little blue slips that instantly when you touch it, you get healed. No, it's a a blessing that you're going to get a word of God preached into your life that's going to produce revelation that you'll get your own healing. That you'll get your own sense of understanding prosperity and blessing and walking in in the miracles of God. And the miraculous power of God, which should be part of our life all the time. Because of the word of God. See, the word of God is the great commodity. And I'm building up to this. And Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. See, in Acts 10.44, it says this. And this is an interesting scripture. That while Peter spake unto them, is when the Holy Spirit came upon them. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. And in verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then answered Peter. So while Peter speaks the word, the Holy Spirit falls on them. You know, when, when I'm preaching, hopefully the Holy Spirit is coming upon you and giving you revelation and making you understand things. That is our hope and our desire. Because when you get the word, then everything else should come into line. You know, the Bible says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Ghost, and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who oppressed the devil. Wow, yeah, Jesus had to be anointed with the Holy Ghost. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, there's two parts of the Trinity, with the Holy Ghost, there's the third part of the Trinity, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Tells you where sickness and oppression comes from, the devil, not God. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Now think about that. That's a powerful thing. God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Jesus is our model. He's our example. He said, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. See, in, in Luke 3.22, it never said Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit until Luke 3.22. It says the Holy Spirit descended upon him even as in the form of a dove. Well, Jesus didn't need the Holy Spirit to get saved. He wasn't lost. Jesus didn't need the Holy Spirit to get born again. He didn't need to be born again. He was God. Why did the Holy Spirit have to come upon Jesus as in the form of a dove at the day that he went down and was baptized by John the Baptist at the River Jordan? Because you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. He'd never done a miracle. He'd never cast out a devil. He'd never preached a sermon. He'd never done any healings. He'd never done anything supernatural until that day. And every scholar will tell you that when you look at the chronology of Jesus' life, that's when the miracles began. And you can see that the Holy Spirit comes upon him. He's empowered. He does these things. And he said, my words are spirit and life. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, bring sight to the blind, to set the captive free, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. All these anointings came upon him when the spirit came upon him. And you know, preaching the word is what Jesus said. My words, everybody say it with me. My words are spirit and life. So the Holy Spirit is power. Life is zoe, and the Holy Spirit is the one who brings that. 
And the more the word of God is preached genuinely, Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. So we should value the, the storehouse because that's where the blessing. And the blessing comes because, you see, all blessings come from knowing the word ultimately. Turn with me to Second Peter. This is a powerful scripture. If you don't get anything else, if you haven't paid attention, turn on your, put up your antennas right now and listen. to This is a powerful verse of scripture. This is a very powerful concept, what I'm going to say next. 2 Peter 1 and 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the, who can tell me? We're over there in 1 Peter, excuse me, 2 Peter, first chapter of 2 Peter. 2 Peter 1, verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the, who can tell me what it is? Knowledge. Knowledge of God. What's the knowledge of God? His word. Grace and peace is not multiplied unto you through praying it, for it, wanting it, wishing it, hoping it, trying to twist God's heart. No. Grace and peace is multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Well, Hosea 4, 6 says this. It says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. That's the antithesis. If the knowledge of God brings grace and peace being multiplied, grace and peace is multiplied through the knowledge of God. What about the ignorance of God? Well... Exactly what Hosea says. He says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. See, then you begin to understand how important Sunday mornings are, how important it is to allow ministers to bring all the meat into the storehouse, that there may be meat in the house, all the natural meat, the finances, so there can be spiritual meat, the preaching. Somebody say amen. Amen. And it says, according as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness... According as his divine power has given us all things, everybody say all things, pertain to life and godliness. See, life, that's everything we have needed, my car, my house, my family, my health, my, my peace, my well-being, my relationships, my marriage, my kids, my everything, my everything. According as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, godliness is being saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, getting other people saved, having you know, the assurance of heaven having the gifts of the Spirit, having the fruit of the Spirit, godliness. All things that pertain to life and godliness, think about it, come to us how? According as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Everybody say the knowledge of him. There we are, right back at the Bible again. Grace and peace is multiplied unto us through the knowledge of him. All things that pertain to life and godliness come to us through the knowledge of him, through this word. And the preaching of that word on Sunday mornings is the blessing that when we bring it into the storehouse, when we bring all the tithe into the storehouse, we free up the preacher to become an expert. We free up the preacher to be focused. We free up the preachers to get to the place where they're good cooks and they can be undivided in, in preparing the spiritual meal for every Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Then it comes back at us. We've sown some natural seed and we've sown that into the storehouse of God, and now we're going to reap some spiritual seed into our lives. We're going to reap some all things that pertain to life and godliness into our lives. We're going to reap the multiplication of grace and blessing into our lives because now we've got a part, we've got, you know, we've got some skin in the game, we've got a dog in this fight, we've put some money into this thing, and God sees it as a seed sown. And then when we get preached to all of a sudden, he's going to bring some life and power into it because we've sown some life into it, and now we're going to reap some life back out of it. And that's what the storehouse is. It's a place to bring your time, your talent, and your treasures. And it's stored up in a heavenly reservoir that will meet back out to you again spiritual needs being met spiritual revelation and knowledge of his word, spiritual multiplication of peace and grace being multiplied unto you through the knowledge of the word that you got from sitting in church on Sunday morning and hearing the preaching. Somebody say amen. There's a lot of people who don't understand these things. A lot of people just, they don't get it. Let me tell you something. It says in, in Psalms 92, 16, they that be planted in the house of the Lord, ever say planted, they that be planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. How many of you want to flourish today? There's something about your commitment to being the Lord's house is a house of prayer. We talked about that the last several weeks. 
But the Lord's house is to be our house of storage, of spiritual sustenance where we bring our life through our tithe. You know, we, we work 40, 40 hours of my life got spent over at Cloud. 40 hours of my life got spent over at Pella Roll Screen. 40 hours of my life got spent over there at Vermeer Corporation. I gave them my life, but they gave me a paycheck in exchange for it. And when I bring that paycheck, that represents my life that was given. And we sow our life into the local church. And we reap life, God type of life, Zoe life back from sowing our natural life. We reap spiritual things. Anybody get anything out of this? Paul said, is it anything if I, if I reap your natural carnal things, if I've sown into you spiritual things? So there's something of an exchange. And, you know, the effects of the word is healing and deliverance. He sent his word and healed them and delivered. Everybody say he sent his word. See, when you get the word, you're getting everything you need. Everything that you have need of will come to you through the word, giving you revelation and understanding, therefore faith, therefore belief, therefore acting, and therefore receiving. We believe that we receive. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, if you believe that you receive, you shall have it, Mark eleven twenty four 24 says. See, God's not mentioned in that verse, but you are, and the responsibility is, putting up, is put upon us to believe what God has said, and that's how we receive and the more that you hear, more faith comes. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans ten seventeen. So the more we hear the word of God naturally with our ears, let him who hears hear what the Spirit is saying, the more that you'll hear with the ears of faith, and faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, the more you hear it with your natural ears, the more chances you're going to be able to hear it with your spiritual ears and have faith, a rhema word, rise up inside of you that will cause you to be able to believe things and receive things and act upon things and be blessed and be a blessed doer of the word. Amen. Amen. Prosperity and riches. Ezra 6.14, it says, They prospered by the prophesying of the preachers. And prophesying often means just preaching. It can also mean prophetic preaching. But it says in the days of Ezra when they were building uh, the wall that they prospered by the preaching of the ministers. It says in Proverbs 24 that wisdom builds a house and fills it with pleasant treasures and riches. And wisdom comes from the word of God being preached. David said, I'm wiser than all the ancients. I'm smarter than all my teachers. I have more understanding than anybody I know, essentially, he's saying, because... I meditate upon his words. And it says, don't seek silver and gold, but seek the thing that causes you ultimately to have great silver and gold. That is wisdom. Wisdom is the primary thing. It's the principal thing, it says in the eighth chapter of Proverbs. So wisdom comes through the preaching of the word. And the preaching of the word brings wisdom. Wisdom brings riches. And it fills our house with riches, the Bible says. Peace and anointed prayer. Psalms 119, 165 says, Great peace have they that love thy law. All these people that are offended at this, and I'm offended at that, and, I'm, and I have odd against this person, and we're not getting along, and we're going through a divorce, and I don't like that person. I don't, but you know what? The Bible says in Psalms 119, 165, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. See, Proverbs 3 says, Only by pride comes contention. You want to know why you, you, you have contention, why you can't get along? It's because you're full of pride. Only by pride cometh contention, the proverb says. And great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If you're full of the word, you won't be offended because you're above that. Somebody say amen. amen. So again, the preaching of the word helps fix you so you don't get offended at things. Teachability. The Bible says a fool doesn't like to be taught. It says a fool does not receive instruction. Matter of fact, it says a fool hates instruction. The fool hates correction. But the wise man loves it and says, pour it on, baby. God, give me more. Make me smarter. Amen. It's all an attitude. It's all an attitude. But see, that's the word. The word makes you smarter. The word makes you so you're not offended. The word will make you richer. The word will make you uh, healthier. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. The word will deliver you from demons. It says, and when evening was come, they brought unto him many who were possessed with devils, and he cast the spirits out with his word. He cast the spirit out with his word. Jesus was full of the word that when he spoke, the demons fled. The word fixes everything in our life. You can think that, well, you know, maybe I need to go to a psychiatrist, or maybe I need to do this, and maybe I need to do that. And, you know, what you really need is to know what the word of God says on the matter. Begin to apply it. Begin to be a doer of the word, not a hearer only, deceiving your own self. 
but be a doer and be blessed in your doing, like it says in James. So, peace and faith comes and answered prayer. Well, God doesn't answer my prayers. Well, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, just what you're doing this morning. The more you hear the word, the more you slowly start building faith. It's not going to happen all at once. Any more than getting nutrition right. Nutrition comes a little bit at a time. Faith comes a little bit at a time. It's like a little tiny mustard seed, but can turn into a huge oak tree. Amen? Guidance. Well, I don't know what to do with my life. Well, the word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto thy path. Again, it always gets back to the word. It says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of his word. It's always the knowledge of his word. Sunday morning, sitting in church, hearing preaching is the most valuable thing you'll ever do in life. Let me tell you something. It's more important than anything else you'll ever do. If you take it serious, and if you've got a preacher that's been freed up to actually preach the word of God to you. Somebody say amen. It's really true. You may think other things are important, but everything is based, everything comes and springs forth from the word. This universe was created by the word being spoken. Your word will be created by you allowing the word to be spoken into you. You want change? Well, God took darkness that was filled with void and chaos. The world was without form and void, and it was chaos, the Bible says in the Hebrew. And God spoke and said, let there be light, and then there's light. And all the molecular structure got into order and came into line and began to be obedient to the word of God being spoken. How about doing that in your own personal life? Bring your life into order, for his word is forever settled in heaven. And you'll get your life forever settled in heaven when you follow the same word. He's exalted his word even above his own name. God puts a great, great emphasis on his word. And when he says he puts his own word above his own name, that's his very essence of who he is. The gospel can only come through word. It says in 1 Corinthians one twenty one, it says that God has chosen that by the foolishness of preaching that men should be saved. People don't get saved because you pray. They don't get saved. I mean, that helps. They don't get saved because all of a sudden they realize they're bad and and they're feeling like repenting. They, they don't get saved. They get saved by being born again by the word. It says that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to him that believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It says in 1 Peter 1.23, it says, being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible seed, even as the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. That's how you're born again. The same way the universe was born is by the word of God. Can I get an amen? Being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible seed, even as the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So the word of God births everything in us. That's why when we bring the meat in the storehouse, the meat is, is the tithe. It's the finances. It's the way that I'm sustained as a preacher in modern days. You know, a couple thousand years ago, you would have brought in, you know, a sheep and, a, and maybe a side of, uh, of lamb and, and, a, and a side of beef and a bunch of corn and beans and stuff like that. But today we do it differently. We bring in the tithe as our 10% and it makes for sustenance for the word of God, for there to be a mechanism in the local church for preaching to occur and for people to sit and listen to the word and he'll pour out a blessing. There'll not be enough room to receive. You say, well, we, we're just about running out of room with this sermon, Pastor Bill. It's getting kind of late. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the room to receive it was about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> And I'm all filled up and ready to go eat something. No, I'm just teasing. But there will be an overflow into your life. When you bring the tithe in, it's a living place. It's a producing place. You know, when I, when I look at the, the Word of God and I see all these things, you know, the, the gospel and salvation and, and, and all these different things and and I look over there, you know, it says, when you come together, one will have a psalm, one will have a word, one will have a prophecy. And, what, and how many of you know that's a storehouse where we all come together and it's all put into store? Another thing that's a storehouse is at the church of Antioch, there were apostles and prophets, and he lists a whole bunch of... There, there's, in this storehouse, there should be a multiplicity of giftings. One brings a psalm, another one brings... You know, I can, I can read that scripture, and, it, and it's really profound. It really tells us how diverse... And how much should be brought into the storehouse on a Sunday. There should be a lot of blessings and a lot of things brought into the storehouse. Look, look what it says. It says, how is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done. How many of you know that's a storehouse with a lot of anointings coming together? This is the place where it's supposed to happen. 
Ephesians 4.16, it says, Let you all be joined together, cemented and concreted together, and let each one bring their supply. So when we all come together, this is the storehouse. This is the storehouse for anointing, because the word is here. This should be the storehouse for finances, for people that are needy, for giving alms and giving benevolence to poor people. This should be the storehouse where there's wisdom and information to help you and understand what you need to do in life. The anointing to get you set free and healed in life. This should be the storehouse where you can find all things that pertain to life and godliness through understanding and wisdom being the principal thing of the word being taught to you. But it can't happen unless we bring all things and the house is considered a storehouse of anointing. A storehouse of healing, a storehouse of the word, a storehouse of all that we have needed. Let's stand up and we're going to be dismissed this morning. Anybody get anything out of this? The Lord's house is to be a house of prayer. The Lord's house is called a storehouse. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. I hope I expanded your understanding of what that little phrase, the storehouse, is. I hope it means more to you this morning than it did when you came. The storehouse should be something living. It should be something thriving. It should be something with abundance and overflow. Spiritually, financially, every, in every way, there should be an overflow in this storehouse that when we bring it in, there's an overflow coming back to us.